Hey guys, welcome back to the Panther Den podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Cameron. I'm joined with my co-host and producer, Jacob. Hey guys. And we got returning guest star, Dan. Hey guys. And we got a new guest on here, Ben. Uh, hey Ben, how's it going? Pretty good. So tonight, we're going to be continuing our American Public Education System series. Uh, ben here teaches math right math at the high school level yep and dan as a refresher for listeners you teach what grade fourth grade fourth grade okay so the reason we have dan and ben on both dan as returning guest we wanted ben on last one but you know some time issues some scheduling issues work didn't work out but ben works at a works and teaches at a more of an urban school and Dan teaches more at a rural school. And so we're going to kind of go in tonight on the differences and similarities between those. So uh, the first topic we kind of wanted to hop into is the differences between those and how school has changed over time. Uh, ben, I'm just going to write off, go right off and ask, what is, what was, because I know you started, when did you start? Three years ago? Yeah, I'm going into my third year. Going into so, your third year. Uh, this I started fall of 2020 is when I first started teaching. Okay, and Dan, you taught. I'm going into my second year. Second I year. started student teaching in fall of 2020. So Ben, you started right. You said you started right in the middle of the coof. I want to call it the coof. Can we call yeah, it the coof? Yeah, let's let's call it that. Uh, everybody, I mean, everybody, the big, obviously, the big sickness, the big coof. Uh, I was actually uh, long-term subbing when all of that hit, so I was I was essentially teaching, like had my own classroom, and that's when everything shut down, and we went full virtual for the fourth quarter of the school year. Okay, so this is for somebody that doesn't know what's the, what would be the major difference between long-term subbing and being an actual teacher, just not having your license, or no, I had my license, so uh, a, a normal sub is just typically for one day long-term sub is I think uh, over a week or two weeks you get uh, more pay after the first week and I mean you're just there for an extended amount of time and it just depends on the circumstances like in my case uh, the teacher had had cancer Oof. and was out for a while he survived Let's okay well, uh, but I took his job like a maternity you know, I, I did I ended up taking his spot like he he ended up retiring that year and I just stepped right into that role well, I guarantee you it wasn't thanks to Big Pharma. They didn't save him. But <laughs> but that's for another That's episode. for another episode. Yeah. Dan, what were you going to say <laughs> about maternity leave? I said like a long-term sub would step in for a maternity leave or like a surgery, something like that. Thank goodness Dan doesn't have any experience in maternity leave. No, thank goodness. And it is, yet, it anyway. is harder to find long-term subs for my position math at high school because so uh, in that uh, situation, you are still expected to teach. Well, math sucks, dude. Math is terrible. I, mean, I don't know why you would choose to teach math, Ben. I, I don't really know don't. why you would choose yeah, to teach math, but I like math I, more than yeah. The I can't even guy. think of a one time I've used math outside of school ever. <laughs> I don't not once. Not once. Never. I, I don't even know why. I'm bad at math, so that's why I've got an iPhone. Hey, how'd you uh, get here? How'd you get here from Tanner's house? I drove in my car. Yeah. Yeah. You know the speedometer? Yeah. That's calculus. No, it's not. Instantaneous speed. That's how we get 
we use but calculus. I'm not, I'm not sitting there going. Speed. I'm not sitting there going. You used math to get here. Okay, but when I'm driving my little Toyota, I'm not going there and trying to figure up little equations in my head. Oh my God, if I go X Y nine thirty seven B, I'll reach sixty mile an hour. If I turn a left hand turn, I'll slow down to X nine three four five forty five mile an in hour. In our reality, though, uh, I just visited a uh, shipping company here in in the area. Yeah. And we talked about uh, typical math situations that they deal with. All of it is linear, meaning there's no you're not squaring anything, you're not raising anything to a power. Everything's linear, adding, subtracting, uh, and maybe some multiplication. That's essentially what you're dealing with. But it's math is uh, mostly the problem solving that you're trying to do. That's what you use in the real world. That's we fair. just in school we use such abstract stuff that it's. Uh, not everybody's good at applying it to okay, what we do in the real but world. But I want to say, you were telling me about a math class you're taking in college where it's Correct. literally math that they don't know what it's used for yet. Correct. Uh, and there's, there's that's certain... the kind of math that I'm like, we're not, we don't need right now. Okay, so you don't know what you need until you need it, right? I mean, that's kind of what those theoretical classes are for. I like the class he's talking about. I'm taking knot theory. It's literally about knots, like shoelace tying knots, all of that stuff. I can tie I'm just a square I, knot. All it is is it's <laughs> okay, what math Eagle is Scout. is uh, being able to problem solve, uh, look at patterns of things that you notice, that, and just trying to uh, generalize things that happen. And that's a very rough definition. There's plenty of definitions of math, but it, it is useful. One of my favorite quotes from my professors is this may not, I don't know what this is for, but <laughs> one day they'll find a use for it because that's usually what a lot of the things that uh, mathematicians have found have uh, come across. And I feel like I'm back in high school. Is this math. an education mess, uh, episode or is this a math episode? I, I don't know, but I'm, I zoned, I'm happy with either. I mean, I zoned so, out kind of hard, so, yeah, so it, it, it does feel like math class. <laughs> We're just letting you have your moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Anyway, <laughs> um, so obviously there's a massive difference between what Dan's teaching. Between high school math, yeah. college math. and But what we're here today to find out is the differences between more of the social issues of what Dan and Ben see on a daily basis. Um, Dan, what has really changed over the last two? Is there any major changes over the last two years in your teaching career from social like a social standpoint of what's socially acceptable in the classroom and what's not so when i think back to my practicums and stuff which you do those in the upcoming years before you get ready to student teach you oh. have to be in the classroom quite a bit okay so for anybody who doesn't know and me because i don't know what exactly is a practicum practicum it's just a set of hours that you have to spend in a classroom. Okay. That's not student teaching. So you might have one based around reading, like a literacy um, practicum. I have one of those that got cut short because of COVID. So I actually missed the last half of my second to last semester. Did they still count that as an hour of practice, like your hours of practicum? We just did online-based stuff, which was uh, zero help. That's no help at all. But when I look back to the practicums that I did a couple years ago versus what I'm seeing now, I do see a lot of 
behavioral differences, not for the better. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen a lot of stuff about gentle parenting and stuff like that. And everything's very gentle and just look up like conscious discipline and stuff like that. It's just, it's a way more softer approach, which I'm not sure is working. Okay. So that's a term I'm not familiar with. Conscious. You just have to, you just have to look it up. Well, I don't want, I mean, what do you know about it? It's, it's really hard to get into without making a whole episode over that. So just viewers, you guys look it up. Um, what is that? Oh, did I, I'm Conscious gonna, discipline. I don't even know how to spell that, so I'm just going to wing it. I think that's a, a great Cameron, topic we could yeah. go off of is just parent involvement. Yeah. What, yeah, what do the parents sure. do? But, but hold on. I want to. So, and that's a big difference. Th- that has changed tremendously. So, Ben, what, have, what changes in the last three years, right? Three years yeah. have you seen from when you started? Even, even let's go even go back to when you're a long-term sub. I Between could, then, it's it's hard to say what the the differences are with just the short amount of time. But I I have asked some more seasoned teachers, yeah, uh, what the biggest difference and what they've seen as they've uh, taught. And the biggest thing that I've heard is cell phones. Cell phones in the classroom has been the one of the biggest uh, influences on how we teach. Okay, because I know that was a personally as a student in high school. That was a huge issue for me because by senior year, I would, I had just lost all discipline and motivation. And I was like, I'm just ready to get out of here. I'm going to play on my phone, whatever, you know, teacher, do your little thing. I'm going to do my little thing. And it's a, it's a huge distraction, but it's also like a huge tool. That's, it's nice to have when you mm-hmm. need it. I mean, you have so much information that you can access all the time. And that's it, hard for me is, uh, I have students ask me, why do I need to know this? I I could just Google it. That's what makes teaching hard right now, I think, because they can get the information instantly. Whereas when you're teaching, you're, you're trying to build, you're building, you're building, you're building. And then within hopes that they understand, but Mm -hmm. with technology, they're going to look it up. They're not going to remember it. You know, they're going to see it give you the answer, whatever. And then I don't think it sticks. Well, and that's the it's thing. It's like the instant gratification that I think technology and social media and all the things give everybody now. I'm going to, I'm going to restrain myself because that can, that can fall into a whole different category oh, of sure. does with the advancements in technology that we're having and the vast amount of information that we have online and I, literally in our pockets, purses whatever every day is that kind of an indicator that maybe the public education system is going to eventually get phased out by something like that where it would be more of like a homeschool whether it's state run or not kind of like a do-it-yourself figure it out this is what we require do it whether whether that would be whether in the long run if it was state sponsored would that be worse or better than what we have now that i'm going to stop right there but that could be a whole different debate I mean, that would have to be state sponsored because they wouldn't allow i mean free thinking that's like true that. think about the the technology they have right now uh photo math i'm sure you guys have heard of it oh yeah I, I use year. it i use it too. i try i want to i want to understand what my students use 
I tried to use it uh, and it just made me mad. Well, it was easy <laughs> well, for me. There, so through. I had just heard of this new one. There's uh, artificial intelligence has got uh, good enough to where it can now write uh, papers for students and the uh, what is the uh, stuff called where it proofreads it and it's the plagiarism like, algorithm to, it writes the papers to where the plagiarism uh, algorithm doesn't detect it anymore. So like it writes it to where it's like, it's, it doesn't look like it's plagiarized, but they didn't even write it. The, an AI I wrote the paper for them. I don't even trust AI like period because I just don't that's, Literally, we have five movies telling us why we should not trust AI. Stop it. Uh, I'm, I mean, just, I'm just saying have, that's that's kind of where we're, you where need, we're at right you now. You need to okay. This crazy? is what you need to do in your classrooms, then Ben. Make them sit down and watch all five Terminator movies and say this is why you don't oh, like. There, there are Cameron, teachers that do that. We have <laughs> hundreds of movies why we should of why we shouldn't trust the government. Yet here we are. That's true, but so. I, I've got a meme for that. I'll show you later, but. <laughs> regardless so back to backtracking a little bit back to the whole parenting thing so we'll start with dan first and then maybe in the band but dan so what are i don't know how to ask this question effectively well what are some notable things that are good and notable things that are bad that you see from parents as far as being interactive with their kids education and how much do you think the parents should be involved? I know that's a lot of questions at once, but. Okay. So the parents should be involved as much as possible. Mm -hmm. But Um, there's a caveat to that, isn't there? There's a line. I mean, yes and no. I mean, it's your child. You should be absolutely all in. I think, I mean, do I need somebody checking in with me every day? No, but I also, appreciate that more than not hearing from you at all Mm -hmm. you know unless i reach out i think that um the parent i hate to keep going back to technology and just the way the world is now i know it's changing and we have to adjust with it but the attention spans of everybody has changed parents students so i feel like the patience of parents has lowered so when their kid is not maybe just not quite there yet that's when they're knocking on my door call it whatever you know why aren't they get why aren't they getting this why why don't they understand blah 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 well it just it takes a minute there's zero patience you know just calm down we'll get there it's all good your kid's not behind there's no sense in pressuring them there's no sense in making them do two two hours after school's worth of work, you know, like most of the time they will get there. You know, I just, nobody's patient anymore, but we live in a very fast paced world where the pressure, the pressure's kind of on for everybody, you know, for parents, for their kids, but it's kind of annoying. Yeah, I could see that. And I know I think you answered this question on the last podcast, but how much homework do you give your students typically? I don't get my homework. You, I don't give it my students any homework. That's what I was saying. I was saying you said like you I do appreciate if they read. They have reading groups, and I meet with them every day, almost every day, and I will say, "Hey, 
as a group, do you guys think you can get this chapter read tonight? Will this work for all of, you know, everybody's got excuses, but, mm-hmm. um, I do prefer if they can read a little bit every night, but I'm not checking some box or, you know, grading something. It's just like, Hey, take this home. If you have time, let's get it done. Mm-hmm. Or for smaller kids, if like read to your kids, if they can't quite read yet, read to them. You know, it takes no time. Let your kid read to you while while you're cooking supper, you know. But like as far as assigned homework, no, I don't do that. I want to say this. Something that really pissed me off was found out that homework, the guy that invented homework made it only as a punishment. And I'm over here like, well, I did homework about every night bullshit it was a punishment it was just an assignment Mm -hmm. so ben we'll start off with the with the homework question and then we'll go into the other questions but ben how much homework do you assign your students uh i i assign homework Mm -hmm. Uh, i give it a grade if they don't do it i give them their test score as their homework grade that seems like that seems kind of fair so i mean like I'm, they're getting a score based on their knowledge in the test. So if they just did not do the homework, they but, could. I just give them the same score. But it's the, but at the same time, I give them uh, materials to if they do. And I also provide all answers. Yeah. Every like, I don't see the point in trying to trick kids and like make it to where they have to use photo math. I provide them all the answers. If they have questions of uh, didn't understand how something worked, I ask them that, and we we talk about it uh, one-on-one as a class. Uh, but I mean, to me, homework isn't as like, isn't as important as the stuff you do in school, in the class, Mm -hmm. like that stuff, it should be what you should be focusing on. That's fair. Okay. So backtracking again here. So what involvement have you seen from your kids, parents and what do you like to see? And what do you not like to see from parents? I've seen about three different types of parents. All right. Number one, helicopter parents. And I mostly see this uh, from uh, high flying kids, honors kids that are in a lot of honors classes. They want their uh, their student to be have the best GPA. They want them to be valedictorian. They have really high expectations for their student and they'll do anything to make sure that happens. You know, Uh, other one is the parent is nowhere to be found. I could have issues. I could have something important I need to say. I could try to contact, email, phone call, notes to home. They're non-existent. And others are just, uh, they don't, they're not helicopter. They're just there. They're there when they need to be. So I, as an example, parent-teacher conference, I try to meet with kids I need to. And then anybody who just wants to meet with me. The only person I had a, a meeting with in this last parent-teacher conference time was just a uh, a dad that wanted to check in on how his kid was doing. Mm-hmm. He hadn't heard, really heard anything from his kid, from me. So he's just like, hey, how's he doing? How can he do better? He's just a very an, an evolved enough parent to where he wanted his kid to succeed. So kind of a, a little bit of a happy medium. And I, I could... I have to meet with all the parents. <laughs> well, yeah, because yeah. your kid's... Some of them probably can't tie their own shoes still. Well, how, how many do you have in a school year? About 18. 
18. I have about 120 yeah. to 150. But I just think depending. it, I yeah. do think it's interesting though. I, I know that <laughs> the communication is different from a fourth grader to a whatever Absolutely. age. What, 10th grade? It's Seniors? anywhere from 15 to 19. Okay. Basically. So the communication is different between those kids going home and talking to their parents and my Absolutely. kids. But. I feel like parents tend to taper off the older they get. Like, nah, I don't need to check in, you know? Well, and that that could partially be, as you get older, I believe that you should be able to take on more responsibility, especially for your own education. Well, if you should. You should. But are they? They're not. <laughs> right. And Especially like, not anymore. Like, right. I, I lived, you know, obviously now with my grandparents. Yeah. I don't think they ever went to a single parent-teacher conference. I don't think they, of course, they didn't have email up until like probably my sophomore year. Right. Did you give them a reason? To, but th that's the thing, be? though. I never gave them a reason. Okay. And, you know, my grandpa, you know, his job, yeah. he had very easy access to my teachers. And I'm sure he, you know, talked to them a little bit, you know, but they weren't helicopter. I never had any sort of involvement with them very much into my education, but like Ben said, I didn't give him a reason. Right well, here, I think it's just the expectations at home as the parent. So, like the helicopter parent, like they want their kid to succeed, and that's what they envision for their kid. And I know I have some of those kids. I've talked to them. That's not always what they envision for themselves, but that's what they're doing. Right. With the other ones, like uh, we've had calls, of, especially with students with uh, uh, behavioral issues. We call home. They do get a hold of a parent. They don't know what to do. They're like, "What should I do?" I don't. Yeah. They don't know how to parent. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and I and, and that's they. That's that's it. It's the expectation, and they don't know. Uh, clueless. I want to ask something real quick. This kind of ties into parent involvement, but well, I guess two questions. But I'll ask this one first. Have either of it would be weirder if Dan's school had any kind of experience with this, but has either of your schools had any problems with like furries? Oh, that's a big question. That's a money ticket question right there. I mean, it'd be, yeah, I'm so glad that Dan is shaking her head no. Because <laughs> that's not, not only furries. Oh, God. We'll get in. Well, I guess maybe they'd be in the same category. I want to get on. really deep into that here in a little bit. Okay. But answer the surface question first. Go ahead, Jake. Uh, also, do either of your school, like, even, like, higher up in Dan's school district, do either of your schools have an FFA program? There is one at my school, yeah. Okay. Uh, not in my building. Apparently, there is one for the district. So, with my district, it's so large that it's uh, high school-wise, we have five high schools. Dang. So... And then there's like from that, there's like three to four middle schools to each high school. And it just keeps tapering down and down and down. Uh, but from what I understand, it's not building to building FFA. It's a district FFA. So they meet at one building if they're even involved in it. And from what I understand, none of the students that I've had have been involved in it. Okay. I was just wondering because that I feel like that is a big thing that I feel like every school needs at least. Yeah, it really is because the FFA programs, I was in it. Jacob was in it. Ben, I'm, were you in it? 
Dan, you, I know you were heavily involved in it. Mm -hmm. It did teach me quite a bit of things, and it did give me a chance to actually enjoy school because that was stuff I was interested in. If they didn't have the FFA program, I don't even think I would have graduated with the GPA I did because the only reason by the time I was a junior or senior, the only reason I was worried about my grades was, oh, crap, I got to get my grades up so I can get out of school on this day and go on an FFA trip. It was math, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, it was, actually. Yeah, I knew Yes, it, it was. Algebra. Oh, my <laughs> God, algebra. But Yeah, I honestly agree with that, though. The FFA was way more enjoyable than I had even expected. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't have very high expectations, but it definitely blew them out of the water. That's so. I mean, like you get to play with fire a lot, and that's true. I really enjoy that. <laughs> so play, playing with fire is fun, but don't you think the teachers probably had a big impact on that too? Oh, why yeah. you enjoyed that? Yeah. The, yeah, the teachers are a big part of that too. Like. Uh, especially if you become an officer, you're going to get to know and learn everything you can or everything they'll tell you about your teacher, your advisor. I mean, it's a great time. I knew though I, there were only two ag teachers. I knew both of them better than any other teacher that I ever had. And just, just the way that that teacher impacted how much you enjoyed that class, the teacher can do the opposite. It can mm -hmm. impact how much you hate that yes, class. Yes, yes, yes. Thank God somebody said it yes. Yeah. Because there's a lot of teachers at our high school that I did not get along with very well. There was a lot that I did. There was a couple I did not like because I'm just... Not everybody meshes. Mm -hmm. It okay. just it happens. It's how you run your classroom, I think. And there are different teaching styles and stuff. And this is me just probably being your typical like skate along dude, but I really liked the the history coaches. Everybody's <laughs> the okay, you know, because the, they'd be like, "All the, right, class, we're gonna take notes and then coaches. watch a movie and at then, the end of the semester." Yeah, and it's like right the, on a ball film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was always a football film. Those, it was yeah. always history coaches still like exist. The what is it? The Everywhere. Titans or. Oh, no, I'm remember talking, the like, Titans the actual footage from the game. Oh, is what we I was watched. thinking, like, remember the Titans or <laughs> Oh, we didn't whatever. watch that. I no, always, we, we always didn't. watch that movie at least twice a year. And holy crap, I could okay. almost recite that movie. I'll tell you what, what really grinds my gears is I'm always left to be the bad guy. Because with with my curriculum, I had to fit in so much information with math. Yeah. That... I don't have a day off. Like we can't just, oh, let's do a work day and not do anything. Let's watch a movie. Can't do that. That's a frustrating thing. And that happens all the time. Like I, I know multiple teachers that on a regular basis, they'll show uh, just movies in their classroom. Uh, uh, right on. I'd be taking their classes. And let's go. you know what? Right That's on. exactly what the students do. You know, what's funny is that reminded me of a meme where it was like, a guy barging in a door and it was like math teachers at the beginning of the year. We're already behind schedule. <laughs> so that's a huge that's difference. Basically what you just said. We, you guys had kind of, or Cameron, you'd kind of asked a question like how has school changed from uh, the beginning to now? Mm -hmm. The amount of math that we do has changed. Like it's not all like different math, like the way we approach it's a little bit different, but we shove so much more, try to shove so much more information. Just like uh, our dad, uh, 
we learn probably twice as much algebra, I'd say, mm-hmm. as he did. And it's just because they keep adding more and more to it. Well, in my mom always that, said that she was like, I can't even help you guys because you're doing twice as much and yeah. it's different and in the same amount of time. Yeah. And that's made by that. That choice is I want to throw this out here before we take that at this ad break coming up. The choices to the curriculum are being made by people who are appointed. And some of them don't have a, a lot of them don't have a clue what's going on inside a normal classroom. But they just think like, oh, this this is good. Let's do it. And then it trickles all the way down. Looks good yeah, on like paper. the head of education, I guarantee that they or, do not know. I'm going to Google so, this on the ad break and find out who that is. But So when we get back, can we talk about what curriculum is? Like, like what your curriculum like, is? Because there's different types of curriculum. Okay. And we can talk about who writes it. Yeah, we, we can kind of get into that. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and take an ad break and we'll be right back. And we're back, guys. Uh so Ben, before the ad break, you said you wanted to go on the differences between like what curriculum actually was versus standards, right? Yeah. So uh, we've talked about curriculum uh, and mentioned it a few times, but uh, it's different than standards. Standards are what you were talking about, Cameron, as far as like somebody who's been out of a classroom making, telling us what we are mm-hmm. going to be learning in, in the classroom. And that's, that's what the state or the government does provide you and that tells uh, the schools what they need to teach. Now, curriculum is how they go about teaching those standards. So do the teachers pick more of the curriculum as long as they meet standards? As long as they meet standards. There's curriculum everywhere. So Mm -hmm. like there's a website, Teachers Pay Teachers, where you can literally buy curriculum that somebody else has made. Uh, I know, so the reason I think we're kind of talking about this is some curriculum is trash. Obviously. And people take advantage of uh, newer teachers who haven't been in uh, the field as long and don't really have the, uh, the nuances of what needs to be taught and how it needs to be taught to write curriculum. So we all know teachers don't get paid very much, right? So Mm -hmm. what they do is they'll offer 20 bucks an hour, for uh, people to come and write curriculum. Well, it, it takes a lot of time to write good curriculum. It takes a lot of time of reflection and to make a note, making sure you know what you're doing. Well, teachers that are right out of college that need some extra cash, they're going to do that for 20 bucks an hour. And what they'll do is you'll, they'll just copy off of a book of something they've seen. Uh, but usually it's not very good. And I know uh, the online curriculum that we have here in the state that we're at, that's exactly how they write their curriculum. And it, I've seen it and my students struggle with it all the time. Uh, and it's just, they don't, not the right people are writing that curriculum. Uh, okay. It's the standards you have more of a problem with, so, it seems like. How much, as you as a teacher, and I want Dan to answer the same question after you're done. How much you as a teacher personally, so do you guys get like, a say basically as long as you meet the standards you get a say in what your curriculum is kind of depends depends, depends on, on it depends on your school district depends on your school so do you have to get your curriculum approved I, every year uh there is a district where i work it's a district-wide curriculum that you use uh it's kind of at my discretion where whether i use it or not what i like to do is i don't think the curriculum's perfect but i i uh change it up how i see fit to fit my students Okay. 
Uh, Dan, how much freedom do you have with your curriculum? We'll have a lot of freedom because we don't have curriculum. So Okay, so you just have standards? So we have curriculum for math. Everything else, it's up to us to look at the standards and create what we need to teach the students based off those standards. Okay. Which is also difficult because, as you said, teachers, we know they don't get paid a lot. Well, okay, and... <laughs> It's kind of catch-22 because in one hand, you might get handed the shit curriculum that you know is not worth it for you, your students. The other hand, you can write it all yourself and make it as perfect as you want, but how are you going to fit that into your eight-hour day? It's so time Like trying consuming. to teach and then create curriculum that matches the standards. It's a lot of back and forth, you know, and... Well, the public school system is built off overworked teachers anyways. So what are you going to do? Stay till six, seven, eight o'clock every night? How many hours you work a week, you think, during school I year? actually made it a point when I switched careers that I'm not... Listen, I'm salary. I get paid for this many hours and I work super, super hard and utilize my time the best I can at school. I'm not saying I never stay late. I'm not saying I never get there early, but you will not catch me there till six or seven o'clock every night. Maybe that makes me a bad teacher, but my time is valuable too. Um, I have a household to maintain and I just went into this job knowing that I had to set boundaries and I don't really feel too bad about that, to be honest. Boundaries are very, I think in the workplace especially, are very healthy. Yeah. A very healthy thing because, and I've made the mistake too of not setting boundaries at my workplace and it is really taking a toll I'm not above, like I said, I'm not above coming in early or staying late. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not about as much as it's probably seems like it is. It's has nothing to do with my work ethic. It's. I mean, like I said, we're overworked and underpaid and I'm just, I'm not, I can't devote my entire life to a career of any kind, whether it be education or not. So I, I mean, I work through my lunch. I use every second possible to get everything done that I can. If I have to stay 30 minutes or an hour late, I will do that, but I try not to make a habit of it. That's just the honest truth. Like I said, that probably doesn't make me sound like a wonderful teacher but well i think any reason you have any a life reasonable. too though yeah for sure a any, of, like if you ever talk to students you're, and you see a student outside of school they're like what are you doing are you here doing? at the grocery yeah. store like, <laughs> yeah. I, why aren't Get you back in the school? classroom yeah, yeah. Why aren't that's, you that's their mindset test. it's so yeah. weird for them to see you outside of school. i mean yeah. even i still think that <laughs> i mean yeah. it's kind of yeah. i mean well whenever you just see them a set time every day it's kind of weird to see him outside of that set time. Yeah. And you're just like, why are you here? Yeah. You shouldn't be here. Okay. I want to now. So I can't tell you exactly how much I work, but I work hard in the time that I'm yeah, there. I, and Very I hard. I just, you're, I'm not working. No, I'm not working no, 60 I'd, hours a week. You know what I mean? And saying I'm, I'm kind of in a different boat. I'm, uh, it's just me and my wife and we don't have any kids and, I probably work 50 to 60 hours a week mm -hmm. when I'm not in 
a basketball or track season. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I, at basketball, I'm there till around eight o'clock every night. I get there around six in the morning. But don't you get paid extra for coaching? A little bit. A little bit. It, it does. That does make it a little bit nicer. But I mean, it, they're ex- it's exhausting. So, I work on weekends too. Like I, mm-hmm. I can't just go into a, a the next day unprepared. And well, just wing yeah. it. Like I, that's not who I am. I just I prepare constantly and am constantly tweaking. It's I have my plans made a week in advance. Um, for the most part, I can stick with that plan. Yes, you have to adjust as you go, or you know, like February. How much school? Well, you probably didn't miss as much school as we did, but um, missed a lot of school for snow days and stuff. Well, you have to adjust doesn't matter what my plans were supposed to look like. You're constantly, you may teach a lesson too one day and you go home. I will say my brain never shuts off from it. I may not be physically doing the work. I do not, I rarely take stuff home. Um, yeah, I can't but you're thinking you're like, okay, that was terrible. I need to teach Mm -hmm. that again tomorrow, you know, and I have to approach it differently. So I do plan a week in advance, but it's not uh, a concrete plan. I wanted to ask means. this. You mentioned snow days and this just kind of popped in my head. Uh, did either of your schools have like AMI days where during snow days, it was just over the computer. You just gave them something and they just did it. Because uh, that's what it was for me, and it was it's, it was total crap. What it's for is just so they can mark uh, mark a, a check in the book and say yes, we went to school for this day. That's all it is. It's busy work. You can't. But it counts ha- as a day, and it counts mm-hmm. as a day. You can't. You can't have, especially where I go. Not everybody has access to uh, do online things, and it makes it tough. But you still have the same expectation for them to do the things at home even if it's late and it, it, it is frustrating. It's, and I feel bad for the students. We make them do stuff. And, uh, I try to not to, I, I try to make it more of like a review type scenario. So it's helpful to them, but it doesn't hurt them if they miss it. Uh, we yeah. have them built in, but we didn't have to use any, like they've got this little chart, this many days to this many days, they're excused anything after that we have to do that AMI, mm. but we didn't have to dip into that. So I don't even know what I would send. I mean, I would have to send it home because. So you, you have like, like our no time kids to don't. Out. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> our kids don't, I don't know how high school is. They all have Chromebooks, but they don't get, they don't take them every day. Like they stay in my room. Ours are supposed, they're supposed to take them home. I mean, yeah. the expectation is so that's, they take them home, they charge them and bring them back charged every day. Does that happen? No. No. <laughs> Mine do not leave my classroom. So I don't even know how exactly that would work anyways. Hmm. Um, And being in a rural district, like, yes, internet access, not everybody has it readily available, but I'm talking like you don't even have enough signal to make a phone call. So it's not even possible in some of the places in the area where I'm at. Mine is just more they can't afford it. Right. That's also, that is also an issue, but they're... some of these kids live out in the middle of nowhere, yeah. you know? Um, so I, I kind of want to transition, um, more in the nitty gritty and really the more 
spicy and interesting topic of spicy. Yeah. <laughs> spicy. <laughs> Dan, we, we covered this with you, but Ben, we really wanted your take on this. Uh, how much, so I guess I was kind of getting at it earlier, but it wasn't, I guess, direct enough. Do you have any kids? Basically, we're going to start with the furries. I want to know about the furries that are in your classroom and how that affects you and your teaching style. You and, how have, ma- and how many? Do you have any, like, actually in your classroom? Like, I, don't, I don't have any in my class. No. Okay. Okay, but, but do you see them in the halls? Are they? Like- I have seen them in the halls. I've seen students be led around on leashes. Uh, I did have yeah. a student. I don't have the student, but I've seen a student. He wore. Uh, yeah, everyone's aware of Marilyn Manson. Yeah, like the white yeah. face. Yeah. yeah, somebody who would paint their face like that, and then kind of like the Joker smile. Oof, mm. really? And then would carry Society. like when do you wear a trench coat? When masks, when masks were still. Uh, but don't wear your hat. <laughs> That's distracting. Yeah, that we've stopped fighting that. that yeah, Most they, of them have, but still, that kid nonetheless, that's always a, been this the same. Kid, the same kid had a when masks were still a deal. He'd wear a mask that had like a skull. And then Daisy he wasn't dressed as Marilyn Manson. It was skull like, so he had black uh, makeup all around his eyes, around his mouth, and he he made himself look like a skull, painted like white on his face and then covered every inch of his body with clothing. Couldn't that, say anything else. That so, is why yeah. I could not be a teacher. Cause I would, I would impulsively make fun of that kid. I I have been barked at and or- hissed at in the hallway. <laughs> and you just know like, what? Dex the kid, like, you, you know what? Hear a this, bark from behind. There's get a spray it's, bottle. It's not worth that trying kid. to bark back at a kid or, Cameron, Especially you would definitely bark back. You just got to keep walking and kind of roll your eyes. And I, I can't believe that just happened to me. So, but who, it does. Who's leading these kids around on leashes? Other kids? Oh, oh yeah, other kids probably. <laughs> no, <the>, other <laughs> teachers. Come on, probably their their <laughs> owner. Come on, kitten. <laughs> their gosh, the person that they're okay. With. <laughs> I know this stuff is happening, but I am in shock hearing it from somebody that I know that is actually seeing this. The the, the best one, I say the best, was when I, uh, when I was in college, there was a kid that used to walk around. He had uh, a cat ears on his headphones, like the ones we're wearing right now, and he had cat claws. And he'd walk around and he'd be swiping at the air, just listening to his music. Yeah. He kept to himself. He never meowed at anybody. He just acted like a cat. As he walked down campus. Guys, I think I identify as a short hair American uh, house guy now. So, yeah. I think you also identify as retarded. So. Well, so do you. Well, that's. You're not clinically given. diagnosed yet. Well, that's a whole different topic. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole. We could do a whole episode on that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, what, like, what's the standard procedure, like, for that? Like, if you, let's say, okay. So obviously the listeners don't know this, but we all know this. You're moving, mm-hmm. and you you. We live in a predominantly Republican conservative area, obviously. Uh, especially out here where we're at right now, mm-hmm. maybe not where exactly where you teach. 
So how do you think it's, do you think it'll be kind of like a culture shock for you? Cause you're moving to a predominantly blue state state. Yes. But, uh, from you, what I, from what I understand, it's a red area. Okay. So you're, so you're so going to move to more of like this, a rural, this is school. where the big, uh, the big city population really affects the state. If that makes sense. Don't even like, get me started the, on that. The, the cities are so big that they have the most control over what happens and, how it's represented. So you're not moving to like the infamous big city. I, I'm moving to the central part of the state. Okay. Mm. Where is the big? No, don't describe that. North, north and uh, west. Okay. So you're moving southeast. Central. Just think of southeast. the center of it. Okay. I'm right there in the middle. Of it. All right. Whatever. Central. <laughs> so, so typically you, because that's what I, I didn't ask you off the podcast because I wanted your official answer on the podcast because I was wondering about that whenever I found out you were moving to Oregon, how that was going to switch up. And it, I, yeah, and I'm going to have to edit, uh, on, on. I'm gonna have to edit that it, out. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. I don't care. Uh, Sorry, it, you just walked around that so long and then just there it was. <laughs> <laughs> so are we, are we cool to leave that in, Ben? Yeah, it didn't bother me. Okay, uh, it does. It it worries me that it could be, but it's just because I'm moving halfway across the country, and, and you can I've visited the place, uh, but you don't really know what the schools would be like. Uh, there's huge differences in the school I'm at now and the one that I student taught at down the road. Yeah. Uh, so I. Well, I'm sure there'll be some shocks to me, but the biggest thing is I, from what I hear, I have a pretty thick accent from those that are out there. Well, not to scare you anymore that you are not scary, but not to make you any more anxious than you probably already are. There's just to point out, and there's a huge culture difference just from our little area to moving to the bigger city down the road. That's literally, you could get there in 15 minutes. There's a way bigger cultural difference. Mm -hmm. How how many of us hunt all of us? Yeah. Yeah. All All of us. You know how many people I know that hunt, at the school I work at, zero, one, one, one. Another teacher. None my of the school, none of the kids. None my of school them. gets the first day of deer season off. That would that, be so <laughs> nice. Based. I would. And I took. I not, took that day off. Right. I, I, I right. took. I took a mental health day, is right. what we call it. <laughs> I went hunting. Sorry, I got to go slay animals for my mental health, please. <laughs> okay, so that's a that's a nice segue. Um, I want to go over, or. Yeah, we want to go over the effect that you see kind of how the curriculum standards, I guess you could say, environment affects your students and their how they behave, like their mental state. Do you see any problems with depression? I know it would probably be more prevalent in Ben's case, but Dan, there's even cases where, you know, the parents are bad parents. You know, at least kids come in, they have issues because of their home life and because maybe even their school life and just that environment how that affects you so we've we've been starting with daniel with all these questions so we'll start with ben but uh so i don't know if the curriculum really affects their mental state it's it's more about the home life uh i've had i have a few stories one i had a, a 16 year old kid asked me what he should do. Cause he had just got his girlfriend pregnant 
and this is a kid that probably can't graduate, what he should do and asking me for advice. I don't have any kids. And that was, that was a tough little situation to handle. And it, it had nothing to do with school. It was all about outside. I have another kid, uh, a family member had been murdered due to some drug things. And he had start, he's starting to get into the, the same game and it's affecting him. And there's, it's not about the curriculum. If I'm sitting there holding his hand, he'll work and he'll, he's, he can be, he has the potential to be smart, but he, so much of the outside stuff affects it to where it really sets him back. And it, it's heartbreaking to have to deal with that stuff. I mean that, and that kind of stuff, like I have to, that's not something you can just leave at school. Like I try to leave my work at, at school, like any kind of grading, I don't bring that home with me except when it's projects, but like stuff like that, that's like, that's stuff that sits with you and you're like, man, how can I help this kid? And there's only so much you can do. But as far as like mental health, like, that affects them big time. I've had, especially COVID, like I, that, that's a huge difference. I've seen COVID uh, for mental health. I, I know uh, I'll talk, just talking uh, casually with kids. They're scared to come to school. Uh, they were scared to come to school, not as much this past year, but just because they had seen and heard things that, oh, they're going to die if they catch this thing. And statistically for their age group, that doesn't happen. Like mm-hmm. not that it never happens. There was, I think in the area, one younger kid that did die from it and it kind of scared everybody, but oh, statistically it didn't happen very often to them. There was also a lot of kids that were scared to have to be at home that long. Yes. Again, there's a lot life. of kids that start at, like it in our, my age group that towards the end of the year, I started seeing a lot of behavioral issues and I truly feel like it's because they were terrified to have to be at home throughout the summer, you know, for that long without getting to come to school. And it's not necessarily because they love school and school's fantastic. It's because being at home is terrible. There's eight, nine, 10 year olds that I've dealt with that have been through more in their little lifetime than what I have in almost 30 years stuff that I I can't even wrap my mind around seeing or, you know, happening to me, they have been through. It's awful. The Awful. And yeah, that's the stuff you don't just, you don't stop thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Not when that kid moves on to a different class or a different grade or whatever. Like you never forget that stuff. Um, uh, you guys all hear about anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I, I don't know if you heard it, uh, Dan, when you were in school, very often people having anxiety, it's not to me, it's kind of, I know it it exists and I, I know many of people that do suffer from it like bad, but I, I feel, uh, a lot of people and a lot of students use it as a crutch almost and use it as an excuse to, uh, not do something. And it, it, and I, I'm not saying this is true. I, I this is just a thought. Like I wonder how much of of a a parent of enabling something like that of letting the anxiety get to a student to where they don't finish what they said they were going to do or anything like that. If that has a an effect on who who that student is 
and who they become, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't think, I, again, I'm not saying that that is the, the truth. I'm just saying, does that, or asking, it, does that play a, a part in how kids think too? And I, I think that's a huge societal issue. And you guys might not agree with this, but it's kind of what I believe to be true. But I'm not talking about the current day and age. I'm I'm going back to the source and the root of the problem years, like hundreds of years ago when the public education system first came around. I think, and we were talking about this earlier, Ben brought up parents that just didn't know how to parent. And I think that the way that the public education system was designed and the way it's being implemented and has been implemented for a hundred years now. And not at first, but I think we're really kind of starting to see the long-term effects of this, of people not having the, the responsibility of dealing with their kids for eight hours a day. You go and you drop your kid off at school for eight hours a day. And that's eight hours a day. Yeah, you have to go to work, but you do not have to worry about your, you're supposed to not be have to be able to worry about your kid. And I think a lot of parents are taking advantage of that to be bad people, bad parents. And I think the system is kind of getting abused. Now, maybe, maybe ending public schools isn't the answer. And I don't have the answer, but I, I'm just pointing out the fact that maybe that it could be the, not in all cases, but it could be some of the cause of these parents not taking responsibility for their kids because, oh, I can send them to public education for free. You know, these teachers can babysit them. I don't have to care about them. Yeah, it's built-in child care. Literally. Well, I don't to, think they, to a lot of people, not everybody. That's, that's yeah, what I'm saying. I'm not trying they, to say that everybody does that. I'm just saying that some can, of the cases probably could be traced back to that. And I'm not... That's why I said I'm going back to the root of it because it's been a buildup. It wasn't instantaneously. Yeah. It was a buildup. There's a, a lot that parents expect teachers to be teaching their children at school that should, in fact, be taught at home like sex education i mean that's one example but i mean like i don't even know a good example off the top of my head i'm sorry but there are certain like tying your shoes okay that's really low level right probably something you should know do i have time to fit that into my day no no i don't because i've got the state looking at me expecting a b c and d Meanwhile, like that is something you can do at home. My mm-hmm. kids just wear Crocs. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> go ahead, Ben. You had something to add to that? Uh, yeah, I don't think uh, parents and not all parents intentionally uh, try to be bad parents by sending their kids to school. I mean, that's just something that's been built in. You're like, oh, it's they're that age; they need to be sent to school. But I, what I do think has happened is we uh, tend to rely too much on public school to parent. That's yeah. that's basically that, what I was yeah. trying to get across. Yeah. Is and it was like I said, it wasn't. There's it nothing wasn't, wrong with sending your kid to school. You still have to parent, though. But you do have to do your job outside. That's the that's the thing, and it, that's why I said it wasn't implemented overnight. That wasn't the problem overnight. Whenever the no. public education system was implemented, but I think we are reaping what we have sowed as a country from way back when, and it's it's really it's just a societal issue. It's not even. Yeah, I mean, we could sit here 
all day long and point out issues of the public education system. But what that really stems off of and why you have those issues is because those issues have become the societal norm. Yeah. And they have been for a long time. And like I said, we're reaping what we sow now. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to leave it with that. We're going to go ahead and take another ad break and we're going to finish up our last little topic here and we'll go to closing statements. So we'll be right back. And we're back. And as Dan so graciously is laughing at, uh, it's freaking hot in here where we're recording because we're in a barn basically. And there's no AC out here and it's like a hundred degrees out right now. And I had to take my shirt off. So I have my shirt off, everybody. So glad that's out of the way. So anybody <laughs> making weird laughing just randomly, it's because they're looking at my shirtless body. Okay, so we kind of wanted to go into why you need an education these days, and versus why you need you needed an education. What you we're going to get into this, but you really didn't need an education back in the day. We'll say pre nineteen hundreds. But today, most employers really do require some kind of degree, and we're some kind of degree, no matter what it was. We were talking about this before we came back off air, but Dan mentioned that she was applying for some jobs, right? Or not applying, but you no, were looking at No, I was just some, looking, yeah. What kind of jobs? Do you remember the job you were talking about? No, I just think it's fun to look up jobs near me sometimes that's that's fair i think we all do that when we have a rough day at work but nowadays a lot of jobs they require just an arbitrary degree and for a job that you don't even need and a lot of times like dan had mentioned off air i know i've said that a million times already but these jobs a lot of times the degree you have don't even apply there they just want to make sure you have that piece of paper in order to, I, I don't know. I don't know why that's a requirement, why that would be considered a qualification. I have no idea. I don't either. I mean, okay. So let's go back to like when the public education system kind of started. You, to get a job, you just went up and like, hey, you need any workers? Yeah. When can you start? How about right now? That's all it was. That was the whole interaction. Now, it's like, it's all about like what your school is. Like, if you have a high school degree or a bachelor's, master's, or anything, and even then, the pay, like for a lot of them, the pay difference isn't that much. Like, we were just talking earlier, and I, we probably mentioned this in the, first part but uh J- I think Jadub mentioned it but there was a job that required a master's degree and it was paying $13 no, an hour I mentioned that I thought Jadub no, either way I mentioned that Oh sorry I'll give you credit <laughs> Okay sorry I was staring at your nips a little too much Put those Again away <laughs> It's hot in here okay <laughs> Oh my god uh but you you really did not need an education back then. Like you might have needed to be able to write a little bit and to read a little bit, but you didn't need the level of education you need now for just 
a base level job. Well, I think the education back then equated like you went to school to eighth grade and then you were done. You got basically what today's eighth grade standard would be. And then you moved on. I, it might even been lower than that because I'm pretty sure like back then a college education would be considered high school education now. Yeah. I really don't know. I feel like you're looking Mm -hmm. at me, but I actually have no idea. They, they added so much since then anyway. Well, and just like like we talked about that, they added a ton of different stuff that we kind of either discovered or it stuff just got added. They're always adding stuff. And I've heard a lot of school districts are doing this or going, thinking about implementing it, but having school year round. And well, some people be like, oh, yeah, well, you'll finish earlier. Well, I don't think that'd be the case. I just think they'd add more curriculum or more standards. No, the, it's the, the idea, same amount of time. It's yeah. just more like days off. Of school. So, no, you get the same amount of days off. So it's more like you'd have. So like if you think of Christmas break, spring break, that those are like week vacation, two week vacations. Mm-hmm. Summer break is two months right? ish. Uh, so going all year round would just take that two months you would have off and spreading it into like one to two week increments. So like, so you're still going to school over the summer. You're still getting the same amount of break. It's just where you're putting that break. Yeah. There's a, I wouldn't like that. I think there's more of a a push of schools going four days a week. Yeah. Especially around here right now. A lot of schools are really trying to push four days a week. What's the reasoning behind that? Uh, There's some studies that have been done that it, it doesn't, affect any like scores or anything like that i mean i think they just go an extra hour maybe <clears throat> and they still end up with the same amount of hours i don't even think it saves the school that much money either uh-uh. i'm all for keeping kids out of government-run institutions anyway so i mean go for it but it's just from <laughs> that's besides from the point, like sorry i mean don't get me wrong do i want to work four days a week yeah but then like we were talking earlier, you think about those kids who, okay, now they don't just go two days without food or whatever, care, actual care, to now they're going three days. That's true. Without some of those things that we do provide at school. I don't know. It's it's one of those things I can, I can see both sides of it, and I'll just do whatever they tell me to do, I guess. We, uh, we hand out backpacks full of food and gallons of milk every Friday to some students that really do need it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that adds an extra day worth of food. And I think that's not just to provide for that student that's to provide for their family. Mm -hmm. They don't have the Mm -hmm. resources to, to be able to, uh, get that stuff themselves. So, well, I think that just about covers, most of what we wanted to cover tonight, so we'll go into closing statements. We'll start with, we always start with Jacob. No, we always start with J-Dub, don't we? Yeah, we always start with J-Dub because I never want to go first. Okay, we'll start with Ben. Ben, do you have anything else you want to add or provide with the listeners before we close this bad boy out? Dad advice, even though you're not dad, a dad. Dad. Even though you're uh, not a dad. Uh, I could probably say something about math. Math is useful, do, do believe the, it or not. Uh, the constipated mathematician joke. Okay, okay. All right, so and then you guys have to respond to this. Okay, okay. <laughs> Did you guys hear about the problem the constipated mathematician was having? 
No, no. not at all, Ben. Let us <laughs> let us know. Well, it's all right. He worked it out with a pencil. <laughs> My kids love that one. <laughs> it's just clean enough, so to speak. Well, not the pencil. <laughs> yeah, that I was going to say, not pencil. that pencil. <laughs> Dan, your closing thoughts? Just the same as last time. Um, you're the parent. Advocate for your children. Keep them safe. Um, be active in their school in their life do what you can you know right on seek help when you need it but you just you they're a priority and we have to keep them safe because there's a lot of weird shit going on right now like furries yeah yeah yep mm-hmm. so to speak <laughs> right on dan is that it that's all i got all right jacob uh honestly just Key, I mean, the parents, obviously, get involved with your kid's school a little bit, kind of know what's actually going on, go to your, what are they called, the school board meetings, go to those, see what's going on, and actually teach your kid what you, what you want to have them know, really, like, any moral or some kind of value you want, just make sure that you teach them that and not the school. That's really all I got other than like, don't beat your kids, I guess. Yeah. Don't beat your kids, please. But well, guys, thanks for tuning in. If you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, always feel free to email us at Panther Den Podcast, or no, Panther Den Pod, not podcast, pod, at gmail.com. If you guys want to interact with me or J-Dub online directly, you can find J-Dub on TikTok and Twitter, both at J-Dub, spelled J-D-U-B underscore 1776. And you can find me on TikTok at Dr. Fauci is a cuck. No space, all lowercase. How do you spell that? <laughs> uh, I'll have to write it down. He doesn't D- know no. how to spell. <laughs> yeah, I'm not very good at spelling. That's all right. I, I can read that. very well, but I'm terrible at spelling. I don't know why. But So if you guys have any comments, questions, concerns, want to tell us we suck, you know, reach out to us on those platforms. We'll have those in the description as well. And guys, thanks for the support. Uh, go out there, touch grass. Uh, be involved with your kids, be involved with your family, um, be involved with your friends, you know, build relationships, get a firearm, train with it, you know, don't rely on other people to protect yourself. But we'll see you all guys next week, and thanks for tuning in.